And so, you know, breathwork and meditation are tools for expansion, right? If I'm handing you over these keys, these keys and saying here, this is going to change your life. You are going to like fully step into this like next level of alignment, of embodiment, of presence, of pleasure, of, of, of consciousness. There is going to be a part of you that's like, Oh, I'm resistant of what, what that means. I'm resistant of how my life could potentially change, how my relationships could change in some ways I'm resistant of my own power, right? I'm resistant of my own power. And so when resistance comes up, I think that the first thing to do is to dive right in. And one of the things that I give people just a quick question to ask yourself, and this hopefully is a question that sticks with everybody for the rest of their lives. Why am I resisting my own rising? Why am I resisting my own rising? Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. This is your first time tuning in. Welcome. All you regular listeners, welcome back. First thing, if you guys aren't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button on Apple or wherever you listen to this, Spotify, watching on YouTube, subscribe. And keep in mind, if you do get value from this, please leave us a review on Apple or share this in a friend, tag us in a story. It's greatly appreciated. Today's guest, her name is Ava Johanna, and she is a celebrity meditation and breathwork instructor, founder of the Academy of Breath online certification program, and a spiritual business coach based out of San Diego. Whether on the podcast or with her private clients, Ava works with individuals to activate their soul's purpose, create powerful daily routines, and elevate every area of their life simply by adjusting their mindset through fully embodying the energy of empowerment and confidence. She has been featured on major wellness publications such as Mind Body Green, Wanderlust 35 Under 35, Life and Style Magazine, and Yoga Journal. She's also the host of the Alchemized Life podcast, which she's been doing for three years now, and it's massive. It's awesome. So today's conversation, to sum it up, was amazing. And we unpacked all things breathwork, meditation, and how they can change your life. So enjoy the episode. I'm not going to get into too much about what we talked about. You'll hear it. We talked about my story, her story, how to use it for healing, how to use it for creating a, a scarcity to abundance mindset, and how breathwork and meditation all fits into that. All right. Enjoy the episode. Ava Johanna coming right up. Here we go. Ava, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. I, as we were talking the pre-conversation <laughs> before we hit record, I'm like, I'm so excited for this because all the amazing things you're doing um, and being able to connect with somebody else that creating in a space of, you know, making massive impact through all the things you do is so exciting. So for all of, all of the amazing people listening that don't know or haven't heard about your story, or this is the first time learning about you, 
I would love if you can walk us through your story. Yeah. Walk us through a little bit of how you got onto this path. Mm, yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I already know that this conversation is going to be amazing. So I'm just for everyone who is listening, smiling ear to ear, because I'm just super grateful to be able to connect with other people that are interested in the same things that I am, you know, especially over this past year, I've been lonely, honestly. And I think that a lot of the work that I'm doing today has partly been inspired from this place of how can I get more people into the things that I'm into because they're magical and so transformative. And if more people had tools like breathwork and meditation, wow, what would the world look like? Um, so thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, for everyone else, hi, I'm Ava. <laughs> and, you know, I grew up in Northern LA County, which is pretty affluent. It's uh, Agora Hills, Calabasas area. You know, if you know the Kardashians, um, if you haven't been living under a rock, then that's where I'm from. And so I grew up in a family that had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. However, the relationship dynamic between my stepdad and my mom was incredibly toxic. Um, a lot of manipulation, a lot of mental abuse and emotional abuse. And by the time I turned 15, 16 years old, my mom decided to separate from my stepdad, which for me was such a celebration because I had seen the way that he treated her, the way that he treated me, um, which, you know, kind of backing up all started happening when my little sister was diagnosed with autism. Um, she's my half sister. And so it's his only child. And I think that, you know, everyone has different, um, different coping mechanisms, different ways in which they grieve in which they mourn and, um, having a child with a disability is life altering. And so from that point forward, it really changed the dynamic between myself and and um, his relationship and then my mom and his relationship. So when she did decide to leave him, it was a celebration. I was so happy that she was really standing up for herself and no longer a doormat or a martyr in um, a relationship that wasn't serving her. And at that time I was 16 years old. So I was conscious enough to know like this, this isn't good what's happening. Um, unfortunately though, because, um, my sister has autism, my mom is her primary caretaker. So she was never able to get a full-time job. And when she did get a part-time job, it was at the school that my sister was at. Um, so she could kind of have that, um, watchful eye over my sister and her education. And, um, within the span of a couple of months after they separated, we were evicted from our house because my mom couldn't pay the bills. Our car was repossessed. Um, my mom would go to the food bank every other weekend to get groceries. We were on food stamps. And so going from having so much, really like having the entire world on a silver platter to having absolutely nothing was such a um, shock to my nervous system. And I feel very grateful that I was able to see both ends of the spectrum not to say that we were really wealthy, we were upper middle class to begin with, but I'm grateful that I did have that, um, that paradox there because I was shown different things and different possibilities versus being very, very limited and trapped in this mindset of um, being poor or having nothing or scarcity is the only option for me. And so um, at that time when we were jumping from house to house, neighbor to neighbor, um, you know, friend to friend, 
I made a vow to myself that I would never be in that position again, and that I would never put my family in that position again. And that was kind of the, what set the ball in motion for really, really toxic, um, behavior in my, in my work life, in my relationships, um, drinking, partying, a lot of habit and action really just influenced by this deep rooted fear that I would potentially one day be back in a situation where I didn't have a roof over my head or where I wasn't able to feed myself. And, um, as I, transition from my teens into my twenties, it was really adopted into the way in which I worked, the way in which I related to partners and also the way in which I related to myself through really, um, toxic, just toxic habits, like, um, binge drinking, um, doing drugs, drinking and driving, um, getting into relationships with men that were mentally abusive. Um, and it really wasn't until, my, I think I was 23 years old, where I had found a partner who really loved me and um, who, and who's now my husband, um, who was standing by me. And I had transitioned into a career in digital marketing. Um, And I had received the opportunity to get a promotion at this company. And as I got that promotion, I kind of saw my entire life flash before my eyes, as many do, right? When they have that kind of like aha moment of no, 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 this path is not right. And um, I saw where I would be if I stayed at that company for two years, five years, 10 years down the road. And I realized that there was no, never going to be an amount of money that would be able to fill that void inside of me and that there was really something deeper that was influencing my my decisions and influencing my life and I didn't exactly know what it was yet because I wasn't in a position of you know I would never grew up with religion I didn't have any spiritual practices I didn't even know what mindset was I remember actually there was somebody at this company who would um, take a 10 minute meditation break at their desk every single day and I remember all of us being like what are they doing? And they sent out a company-wide email talking about the benefits of meditation, but still, you know, over my head. Um, And so, you know, once I had that kind of aha moment was really when I, all the puzzle pieces kind of started falling together where my mind was starting to search for proof of other opportunities of other directions that my life could go. And um, that's when I found yoga And I feel like the rest is kind of history because once I found yoga, I was just looking for that next spiritual high and breathwork came in and meditation came in. And now um, I am the founder of the Academy of Breath. I'd certify breathwork and meditation teachers across the globe. We've served over 200 students and it's, I had a certification call this morning actually, because we're just wrapping up um, our third round of the program. And I was brought to tears to just know that for whatever reason, God source, spirit, divine chose me as someone that could bring meditation and breath work into the modern world. And that's really a long-winded story of how I got to where I am today in this beautiful conversation with you. Mm. Ah, So beautiful. And so interesting because I always when I hear that you found somebody that, you know, you ended up being with, you know, after going through that 
what I, what I'm curious about is like, what did you see in him that, that allowed you to, to, to decide that that was the one, you know, because, you know, if you're going through, I was the same and I could resonate with what you're saying so much, you know, the drinking, the partying, the toxic life, the, you attract these people into your life that a lot of it's through trauma. You're like, you're, you're trying to fill voids and you're like, what am I doing? Like, it's crazy. But I always love it when I hear somebody that was able to find somebody that was different, that changed that you know, change the paradigm in their life. And it's like, whoa, this person is different. This is the one. What was that for him? And what was, yeah. what did you see? Yeah. You know, you, no one's ever asked me that question before. And it's something that I honestly think about a lot because when I met him, it was before I even knew like what yoga was. It was before I even knew um, really anything about mindset or um, embodiment work. And so I think that what was different about that relationship was that I was in this position and I do a lot of work with feminine energetics, masculine and feminine polarity now. Um, and I was in a position when I met him where I wasn't searching for anyone to take care of my needs anymore. I had already kind of covered those basic needs for myself. I had a good job at that point. You know, I had health insurance. I was able to pay my rent, which was something that was not happening for like a decade before. And a lot of the relationships that I searched for before were, okay, this man looks good on paper. He can take care of me. Um, I don't really care about his personality as long as he can, he can care for me. Right. And, um, with, with Corey, my husband, I had that, I, you know, I was an independent woman. And so when I was coming into relation with him, it was from this place of pure desire and from this place of being able to not need him to give me anything besides love, besides, um, besides being held in space. Right. And so it's been interesting though, because even as I've progressed over these um, six, six years now, since, since we've been together, um, there have been, I've been expanding, expanding, expanding so much. And at the same time, he's been expanding, expanding, yeah. expanding so much. And what I see often, especially with my clients um, and just women that are overachievers that are also going through this personal growth so fast that they're like, my partner can't keep up. I don't think he's right for me anymore. And there've been several moments throughout our relationship where I've felt that as well too, but he was always committed to growth in the same way that I was committed to growth. And I think that that's, what's really kept the glue between us because even though I might grow faster, he's still there right alongside me saying like, I want to grow too. And I want to, I want to shine just as you're shining as well. And so I think that that was something that continues to keep us together and inspire me and turn me on. And I think that we're also like just getting started too. Mm. Yeah. That's so important that that your partner is committed to growth too. You don't have to be on the same exact path, but you know, the, an upward trajectory of, of excitement to want to grow as a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've been in relationships in the past where I met somebody in my life when I was in the toxic life. And then as I started to grow, we were literally out of alignment, like different frequencies, 
And she had, she didn't want anything to do with like that style of, you know, growth, personal development and all that. And that's okay. But it's, it's, it's so great. And I feel like, you know, as anybody listening out there is, is trying to, you know, attract a person into their life, it's important to have somebody that is willing to be committed to that. And I think, and I think it's great. And I mean, that's what makes it exciting too, is because as you grow, the other's growing and it may be something different, but it's, I think it's essential at, at, at being able to make things last long-term because we are going to grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that you or your partner is going to be static throughout the entire relationship is an illusion. Right. And I think that there are so many fairy tales that end after just like falling in love that we forget that the relationship itself is work and it's a practice and it's, it's challenging. And yeah, of course the love is there and it's beautiful and passionate and spicy and steamy and it's uncomfortable and it requires you to face your shadow. It requires you to be flexible. It requires you to have hard discussions that are a lot easier to turn away from or run away from. Um, and I think that going into any relationship, we just have to realize that if you want a long-term relationship, all of that comes with it. You're not going to find a relationship where right when you're in it, it's like, okay, cool. We're blissful and we're great. It's just, that's not reality um, because that growth element is in there. You're going to be constantly pressing up against your own edge and then collectively your edge as, as us. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to, branch into talking about meditation for a second because this is one thing that completely changed my life this was so this is you know I always like to people ask me you know what was the thing that changed your life and it for me it was always meditation and practicing gratitude journaling those were the two things and they continue to be such important practices in my life so for you I would love if you could walk us through meditation for you and like why maybe even meditation and breath work. Like how do you use meditation and breath work effectively in your life? Mm, yes. Yes. We get to get to the fun stuff. Yeah. So I, as I mentioned, had found yoga first and I think coming from having a very party lifestyle and, um, you know, partaking in drugs and, and music festivals and psychedelics, I went into yoga and was like, Oh, this is great. And like, what's that next high? What's that next body high that I can get into? And so to be honest, when I first found breath work and when I first found meditation, it was kind of creating this natural high within me that I fell in love with that felt like a replacement of the toxic behaviors that I, um, you know, had kind of partaken in for, for a decade at that point. And really for me, falling in love with meditation came to the space of falling in love with the process of moving from being a highly reactive person to an incredibly responsive person. And being so present in my experience and in my relationships and my experience of consciousness that I couldn't help but dive deeper into knowing all aspects of not just 
why we would meditate from a spiritual perspective, but also why we would meditate from more of a scientific and neurological perspective. And I really love connecting the dots between the two. Um, and you know, when I first found meditation, it was quite challenging for me to sit. I felt like I would set a timer for five minutes and a minute would go by and I'd be like, Oh my God, what is going on? Like, I need to, I need to get out of this. And I really struggled with that for the first few months of meditating. It was incredibly challenging. And then I found breath work and I realized that breath work is really that like missing piece for so many of us that struggle with a meditation practice. And it makes absolute sense. If we look at the eight limbs of yoga, pranayama comes before meditation. And that's because it's preparing your body to sit for long periods of time. Right. And so the breathwork practices that I um, incorporate into my daily life all stem from the Hatha yoga tradition. So very, very gentle. Um, you know, many may have heard of transformational breath or rebirthing or holotropic breath. These practices that I teach and that I incorporate into my daily routine are much more gentle than that and are really meant to be a sustainable practice that we can incorporate into every single day versus these like deeply emotionally moving breathwork um, embodiment tools, which are important as well. But I find that it's harder to incorporate a 60 minute transformational or two-part breathwork practice into our daily routine versus 15 minutes of breathwork and then however long of meditation. And so the cool thing about breathwork is that especially when we're adding breath work, breath work and meditation together is that it really allows us to tap into the parasympathetic mind before we are sitting down in meditation and the parasympathetic response or that in the, in our autonomic nervous system, we have our flight or fight or our stay and play or rest and digest. And the rest and digest is that parasympathetic response, right? That's when all of our systems turn back on our body starts doing its thing. Dopamine and serotonin are moving and being released from the brain and into, into all parts of the body. So we have those happy, feel-good chemicals turning on. And so when we bring breath work into the beginning of our meditation practice, it actually allows us to get into the parasympathetic response a lot faster than if we were to just sit and close our eyes and then start getting anxious about our breath or anxious about our to-do list or anxious about how much longer we have. And so when I'm working with my clients, it's really all around curating a practice that with the various practices, they could be more gentle and calming. They could be more arousing and energizing. Um, they could be just more balancing. And we really work together to curate a practice that is sustainable for them to actually incorporate into their daily routine. Because if we're not doing it every single day, if we're not truly embodying the practices, then we're not going to see, like, we're not going to bear the fruit quite as quickly, um, on a neurological level. And then also on a spiritual level as well. Mm. I love it. Cause I, you know, my own practice that I've been doing is a lot, to, like a lot of Joe Dispenza's work. Yes. He's you know? amazing. And he's amazing. And you're, you're right. It's we, there needs to be a way to do things that you can do every day. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I've done some heavy breath work, but to be honest, like, man, I got some resistance sometimes. And I'd like to talk to you about that too. Is that like, I know it works. It's freaking powerful stuff, but I have so much resistance to breath work sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just like, and maybe, maybe you can explain like your, like the breath work you do and, you know, why that happens. First of all, why does resistance happen at breath work? And is there a way that we can get around that 
uncomfortableness or do we just got to go right into it? Yeah. Yeah. So I say dive right in, but the way that I teach, so resistance is, is the, the ego saying, no, 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 no. I'm so comfortable right here though. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. That's okay. Uh-uh. That was, that was exactly. a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Exactly what happened. No, you're good. I remember when I first started meditating, I, um, I was like, maybe I'm just not a person that needs meditation. I'm okay. Like I'm just one of those people that doesn't need to meditate. And that was just like, I laugh at myself for, for thinking that because um, everyone can benefit from meditation, Everybody. of course. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, breath work and meditation are tools for expansion, right? If I'm handing you over these keys, these keys and saying here, this is going to change your life. You are going to like fully step into this like next level of alignment, of embodiment, of presence, of pleasure, of, of, of consciousness, there is going to be a part of you that's like, oh, I'm resistant of what, what that means. I'm resistant of how my life could potentially change, how my relationships could change. In some ways, I'm resistant of my own power, right? I'm resistant of my own power. And so, when resistance mm. comes up, I think that the first thing to do is to dive right in. And one of the things that I give people just a quick question to ask yourself, and this hopefully is a question that sticks with everybody for the rest of their lives. Why am I resisting my own rising? Why am I resisting my own rising? Because sometimes that's just enough to be like, all right, sit your ass down on the meditation pillow, do the breathwork practice, do what you need to do. And, you know, what I love about the pranayama practices that I teach, the breathwork practices that I teach is that there's some that are as simple as breathing in, um, you know, uh, Samavriti pranayama or box breath or equal ratio breathing. It's inhale for five, hold at the top for five, exhale for five, hold at the bottom for five. That's breathwork too. That activates your parasympathetic nervous system it's easy. You don't need to have this really intense breathwork practice every single day. Um, there's various practices, there's dozens of practices. And so I kind of look at it as like creating a breath cocktail. What is it that you need today? What is it that you're willing to do today? Um, and show up for yourself today. And often just that little icebreaker of doing one easy breathwork practice is enough for your body to start really craving the release of those, um, happy chemicals or those happy hormones. Um, so usually the, when the resistance comes up, it's just giving yourself like meet one, meeting yourself where you're at, but also pushing yourself from the place of a knowingness that what you're about to do in the same way, what, if you were about to work out is going to make you feel so good on the other side and is going to fully change the way that you feel for the rest of your day, the way that you think, the way that you act, what you even believe, how you are in relationship to other people. And so I think that in the beginning stages, when resistance shows up, it's also just getting really clear on like why you're doing these practices and what these practices mean for you. And having that context is how we, how we really do rise above a lot of the like resistance and ego that likes to rear its ugly head in those, in those first few times of practicing. Mm. Yeah, it's it's funny how it, how it happens. It's like we know better, but for some reason, like I have no problem sitting in meditation. But for some reason, it's the it's the breath work before that I'm like, which I know I need to do more. I need to I need to lean into that um, because 
the effectiveness that I've had with breath work has just been insane. Yeah. And, you know, as we were talking for all the listeners out there, we were having a, a talk before kind of about ayahuasca a little bit. And, you know, for me, I've, I'm all about exploring the, all the modalities and there's so much value in breath work and meditation and hypnotherapy and all these things to heal, to help healing. And one of the downloads I had when I was, when I was on, when I was in ayahuasca was like, okay, this is one modality, but you don't necessarily need this to get there. Mm-hmm. It was like, you need like, so when I was walking away, my message was, you need to learn all these things because this is just one thing. You don't need to like this, not plant medicine isn't just for everybody, but it's just one modality. Right. And, and the key, like my, my feeling in life is like, how great would it be to be able to help people get to these places without having to have anything else like, like breath meditation. And I believe that most people can, can get to that spot without medicine medicine is a great thing for deep trauma and deep um to speed things up but i really believe that you know we can we can go super deep and and connect and and do a lot of healing through breath and meditation and i just don't believe that a lot of people have given it enough given it enough chance or worked at it enough because it is work right the deeper the healing the more work it takes right so i mean i just think it's so powerful and I mean, I'm sure that you've come across people that resist these things a lot. And then on the other side, (laughs) they're like, oh, I can't believe I I didn't do that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, so the Academy of Breath, it's a six week training. And I tell them at the beginning, these next six weeks, like you're going to have resistance. And I'm also inviting you to show up. I'm inviting you to push through it. At least give me give me the gift of showing up for six weeks, just as an experiment, just as an experiment to see what happens. And you wouldn't think that that much could change in six weeks, but I've heard time and time and time again. I mean, again, we've certified over 200 students at this point that who they were when they started the program is not the same as who they are coming out of it over a course of six weeks. And so you know, I think that sometimes we feel a lot of intimidation when we are embarking on a new layer of our evolution, a new layer of healing, because in some ways it kind of is like opening up Pandora's box and, and it's scary. We don't know what we're going to find. We all have trauma of some type. We've all got limiting beliefs. We all have an ego. And I think that so much of the fear and the hesitation that comes in the beginning is in a way, and not all the time, but a lot of the times an over-exaggeration of what's actually to come and a, I think just another mechanism of, of the ego saying, no, 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 no. Let's like, let's stay small. Right. Let's we're, we're good right here. It's comfortable right here. We don't need to open up that box. We don't, we don't need to open up that closet. There's too many skeletons in there. And I think that's why having gentler practices that we can bring into every day, um, really 
it meets people where they're at, right. Versus, you know, throwing someone who's never, never done any plant medicine into an ayahuasca journey. That might be a shock to the nervous system versus having those progressionary steps of, okay, now I'm becoming more aware. And I have this relationship. I have these practices that can support me. Right. It's like, if you, decided to do ayahuasca before you found all of these practices, oh my God. what would, what would the integration be afterwards? Uh, right. It- totally. And, and that's such a great point is that, you know, I like to say it to everybody too. Like I've done a lot of that stuff first before I went into ayahuasca, like I wouldn't know how to integrate it or how to, re- how to surrender. Like I've had some breath work, like some real emotional ones, right. You know, I've cried and I'm going deep and, and a lot of it, most breathwork sessions I had were really were like that. But the most recent deep one was like very blissful. Yeah. It was almost like I like unleashed this like warrior within me. I was laughing. This was like mm-hmm. we did a breathwork at one of our um, uh, at one of our masterminds, um, a part of Aubrey Marcus's Fit for Service Summit. So we have these some Fit for Service uh, fellowships. So we had these this summit in Sedona, and I did this breathwork, and I was really afraid to do it because I always I always end up seeing my dad. I always end up getting super like emotional, like deep rooted, like crying, you know? And I felt this resistance, but when I did it, it was like, I unleashed this. And I was like, I get goosebumps talking about it because it was like this, like, finally it was like this, like releasing of like this inner warrior that I hadn't felt before. And it was like Mm -hmm. laughing at the world. I was like, ah, and, and that's what's so powerful about breath work is that, Sometimes you can have a challenging experience, but sometimes it can be so amazing. Like it's like, it's like such a high. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and both are equally as important. Like just because you're feeling like a, 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 an experience that challenges you and you cry doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. it's just as important mm-hmm. as the whole puzzle. Yeah. That's you know, Yeah. You know, in my meditation teacher training, one of the first things that we learned was that there's no bad or good meditation. They're ungratifying and gratifying meditations. And that totally shifted things for me because I stopped looking at my shallow meditations or the intense breathwork experiences and labeling them as bad. And instead was just like, yeah, this is actually just, if not more beneficial because there's things that have been inside of my system, inside of my subconscious that are needing to be released. And it's interesting because I think that men have more of those like deep emotional releases in breath work, um, a lot because of the society that we're in and the ways in which you, as, as, and as most men have been raised to hold everything in and to not express, um, and to kind of be that rock. And so I think that in breath work, what often happens is that it's like finally this space to express and to release. And I know that it, it can be intense. It happened with my, with my husband as well too. Um, but you know, what, what is so cool about it is that the body is the subconscious, right? So the body is a reflection of our subconscious. If we have lived a lot of trauma, lived a, a, um, a, a life with a lot of hurt and heartbreak, 
if you see someone's body that's been through that, it's very contracted and closed off. And so the subconscious mind is reflected in the way we hold our bodies, which means that if we want to create those massive shifts, those releases, it has to happen in the body. We can't just do it through talk therapy. We can't just do it through thinking our way or strategizing our way out of it. It has to be through some sort of embodiment practice. And I think that's why breathwork is only going to continue to grow because we're finding that you're able to have these really massive releases and breakthroughs and don't need, don't need, um, to spend thousands of dollars. Don't need to have, you know, to be on drugs, um, you know, like clinical drugs or prescription and drugs, but instead can like work with a, a trusted practitioner and have, and do years of healing. Right. Why is it important to work with somebody or get certified in breathwork? Like, why is that important? Yeah. So thank you for asking this, because I think that this is a, it's a very important part of it. We're, we're working with, with trauma a lot. We're working with some aspects of, of the self and of, of the human experience that, might not even be consciously available to the, 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 the individual that's practicing breath work. And so if you're working with somebody who hasn't been properly trained, who it does not know how to hold space for a single person or especially a group of people, I think that's where it's really important as well, then you can have a very traumatic experience in breath work. You can in the same way you would with ayahuasca experience, right? Um, I remember a girlfriend going to a breathwork um, workshop in LA at this um, kind of well-known meditation studio. And during the process, I think she was going through a pretty rough breakup at the time. And during the process, she had this really big release and was hysterically crying and um, perhaps even like screaming, which is so welcome and also celebrated in those spaces. If you're with working with the right person and the teacher went up to her and whispered in her ear, you need to stop doing that. And so when we're in that space, cause that's when the subconscious is malleable, right? If we're working through the body, that's when the subconscious is most malleable. And if we think about the formative years of our youth, if someone said, don't cry, that created this, this belief in the brain or in the, in the subconscious that emotion is not, it's not safe to show emotion, that it's not okay, that it's wrong. And so in the same way that that could happen in our youth, that can also happen when we're in these, in these um, workshops and in these places, if we're not being held by a practitioner who really is embodying and in, in, in integrity as well too. And so I just suggest for everybody to, to do their research and to not just go to anyone's breathwork workshop, but to really see who they've trained under, um, how long they've been teaching as well, if they do group experiences. Um, because when we're working with our subconscious, we, we don't want to leave these places worse off than, than we entered them. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every experience is going to be that blissful experience, right? You can still have these intense emotional experiences, but you want someone there that's going to encourage you to cry, encourage you to scream, encourage you to shake and, and let you know that it's safe and that it's welcome and that, and that it's good and that you're going to be okay as well. Yeah. The container that's held is everything. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the set, the set setting, the container, like the intention, it's all, it's all so important. You know, 
the message you're sending your subconscious before you do it. Like there's so many factors and you're totally yeah. right. And it's like, it's, you can't mess around with it because it's, you're going into a very vulnerable position, mm-hmm. you know, like, and yeah, like that's, that you brought up such a good point as well about telling somebody not to feel like, don't, don't do that. Don't cry. Don't do that. And that's exactly what we were told growing up too. Mm-hmm. And for me, that has been the biggest thing in my life, you know, coming from being a hockey player, you know, being somebody that an athlete where it's like, you don't show your weakness mm-hmm. by talking about it. But the biggest shift for me in my life has been vulnerability. Like the healing in my life of all the crazy shit I've gone through is all about vulnerability. That's, that's what this show is about. This is about my healing. It's like, that's where the healing is. That's where that's it's being vulnerable and sharing your truth. And that comes out in these practices, you know, like that is the, who we really are. And if you're trying to hold that back, you're not expressing your truth. And that creates so much inner turmoil in your body. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to let it all out. Right. And that's why I like things like yoga and meditation and breath work, it allows that to free and not just like vocally expressing yourself, but being able to express yourself through the emotional states that you go through in these practices. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful in the healing yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I luckily am a part of a corner of the internet where more and more people are showing up and being vulnerable and willing to express themselves emotionally. And I think that it's just going to continue to grow. It's just going to continue to be highlighted in more and more places. You know, I think that when we look at the going back to masculine and feminine polarity, when we look at our Western world, it's been very hyper masculinized and not necessarily like male. I mean, and yes, male dominated, but, but if we're looking at masculine and feminine, we all just for everyone, uh, we all carry these energies inside of us. It is the, the spectrum from, you know, space and consciousness and nothingness to everything and energy and, and movement and fluidity, um, being the feminine side. And I think that in a very hyper masculine culture that we've lived in, the, the scales are starting to tip towards the, towards the other direction into a deeper appreciation and reverence for expression and vulnerability and rawness. Um, cause I think that as we continue to evolve as a human species, we're just done faking it. We're done pretending like these, these, these deeper rooted things are wrong or are in, uh, unexistent. Like they, 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 they're there. And I think that right now we're in this kind of interesting time where we're starting to see that and like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool to express myself. It's cool to be vulnerable. It's cool to, you know, be in circle with people and have a cacao ceremony and vibe with each other. And so we're starting to like get this taste for, for one aspect of the expression, one aspect of the vulnerability, but I feel like there's still work to do where the, the uncomfortable emotions come up, where the, the rage and the anger and the, and the, just that primal nature of, of, of discomfort that we hold is still 
in a way looked at as, Ooh, that's, that's too much, or that's crazy or that's sick. And so I think that we still have work to do on not just accepting the, the beauty of vulnerability, but also the darkness and the depth of vulnerability. How do you deal with a shitty situation? Like when you're struggling, you know, like it's funny because, you know, we all do the work in, 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 you know, the journey that we're all on, we're all, you know, we're learning, like I'm learning all the time. I've come a long way from where I am and I know how to help myself out of a shitty situation, but there's days where, you know, you just feel low and, you know, like, right. Like we're human. Mm -hmm. So my question is like, how do you deal with it? And how do you use meditation and breathwork specifically when you're struggling, you're going through a hard time? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the first piece of it is to really drop into my body. You know, our body is going to tell us what it needs, how it wishes to express itself, what, what is present in that moment, rather than doing the same thing every single time. It's our ability to be present with what is required of the moment is so essential here. I think that often we can get into the habit of like going down the self-care checklist without actually having intention behind it. Mm. Um, and then those things end up not really curing or, or, or supporting the, the low state that we're in. And so I always just drop into my body and I, and I ask my body, Oh, well, what are, what are you feeling right now? What is coming up right now? And sometimes the answer is really clear. Sometimes it's, it's just a feeling though. And so, Sometimes that looks like putting on music and like thrashing around my room. I'll do like shaking, shaking all limbs of my body. Um, I will pound on the floor. I will scream. I will, I will moan. I will, um, I will like just let out audible sighs depending on like what the way in which my body wants to express. And sometimes that's enough to physically exhaust the low state out of me. Um, and from that space, I'll just kind of like sit and caress my body and just love my body and accept my body and accept that I was in that low state. And sometimes that doesn't move it. And in those spaces, I think the invitation is to be okay with being low, to not try and make it wrong or to try and even change it, but to rest and to practice, to really practice acceptance, like radical acceptance for the entire, entire cycle of human emotions, right? It, it would be a dishonor to say that the evolution of the soul or the evolution of our personal development is linear. It is cyclical because uh, human nature is cyclical, right? And so when the, when the feeling doesn't move, when I'm still in that low state, even after I have, you know, done breath of fire for 15, 20, 30 minutes, or I've meditated, or I've danced and I've shaked and I've screamed, or I've moved my body, or I've taken a bath, or I've gone outside, you know, all of the kind of prescription, prescription things that we would do in, um, from our self-care toolkit. If it's still not moving, it really is just, okay, well, you know what? This is how I'm feeling today. And I know that this is impermanent. I know that 
these feelings come and they go in the same way that happiness comes and goes in the same way that pleasure comes and goes. And can I be okay with feeling low, knowing that this is not going to be where I, where I stick forever, but instead is just a place that I'm resting right now. And often I find that that radical acceptance actually allows it to move a lot faster because we're not trying to force ourselves into feeling good or putting a smile on, but instead just kind of in this place of, yeah, I'm going to meet myself where I'm at today. I know it's not permanent. And if it lasts more than 24 hours, then I'm going to like really turn up the volume on my breath work or my journaling or reaching out to community to remind me of my power or going outside. Um, and, you know, to kind of go back to your question around where meditation and breath work comes in, sometimes meditation isn't the way for me. Sometimes meditation gets me too much up in my head. So the, the offer that I, that I need in those low states is to really just like get into my body and allow my body to move sure. any emotion through me. Mm. That was fire. I love that because it's, it's so important to feel everything acknowledge it feel it because it's all part of it the shadow is real Our, you know these things come up and we try and we try and push them away but it's important to feel them and acknowledge them and what i get from what you're saying is like we want to acknowledge it but then we don't want to sit in it too long right and i love how you said if you're if you're sitting in that for like longer than a day you're like okay wait a minute where can we what do we need to do to like get ourselves moving right because that's the key is like it's okay to feel it all you want to feel it all but don't stay there too long that's what a lot of people do right and they turn into a victim they stay in that victim state it doesn't it goes from they they leave that empowerment and they sit in that victim place and that's a dangerous spot to be there's a difference between feeling your emotions being aware of it acknowledging it and then doing what you can to acknowledge it and move out of it. Like that moving out of it is so key, right? Like that, I'm so glad you said that because that's like, I, I've experienced that all the time. It's like, okay, let's feel this, but now it's time to go. Now it's time to, I can't serve. I can't do what I need to do at this level right now. So what are we going to do? Yeah, right? That self-awareness yeah. is everything. Yeah, exactly. I love that because it's like whether you have a podcast or have a business or work for someone else or are a stay at home mom or are um, unemployed right now, you are a human living and breathing on this planet at this exact moment, as you are hearing these words and you are allowed to feel all of your emotions and to express them and to, and to sit in them for, you know, a period of time, but you have work to do. Like you have work to do just simply because you exist and the desires that you have in your heart, the desires that are like planted deep inside of you, whether those desires are to run a million dollar company or those desires are to go and live on an Island and never talk to anyone again, those require your presence. It requires you to not get caught up in any part of the cycle, right? Whether, and it can even be not get caught up in gluttony of, of being in like high states of pleasure. Right. And so I think that 
it's really important to just like zoom out in those moments and, and, and give yourself that pep talk or have somebody that can give you that pep talk. That's going to remind you, no, you got some work to do. Like you are here and, and we need you like with this world needs you, needs your gifts, needs you to show up, whether you're showing up and feeling super powerful and taking up a lot of space or showing up and just kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm here and I'm, and I'm willing. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, the next era, area I love to talk about with all of this is I always find it so interesting having this conversation around scarcity and abundance. Mm. Is it such a shift? And I know that you went through it and I know that I went through it and I know that it is such a big thing and you see it all the time with how people speak about themselves and you go, well, what? What do you expect to happen when you speak like that? Like you just see it and it's like, I've really noticed it within myself of where I've come. And I would love to know, you know, what you did, maybe like some of the things that you've applied and maybe walk us through for the listeners on how they can apply or even how meditation and breath work can apply to creating abundance in their life as well. Walk us through that a little bit, because this is such an important topic for people. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for bringing this up. So, you know, I think that this ties into the conversation around, um, breath work perfectly because scarcity is in the subconscious. It's in the reptilian part of our brain, right? It is scarcity is I'm not enough. This isn't enough. I am unable to survive, um, where I'm at right now. And that's a, obviously an oversimplification, kind of over-exaggeration, but our subconscious mind is not our conscious mind. Our, our subconscious mind isn't the part of us that's, um, that's listening to the positive affirmations or reciting the positive affirmations around money mindset. Our subconscious mind is the oldest part of our brain, the reptilian part of our brain that is really only concerned with one thing, which is survival. And so scarcity and lack lives in that part of our brain. And so again, when we are working with the subconscious, we are able to use our body as a canvas to open up the, not only the subconscious, but the limbic system, and then also the, the neocortex or the prefrontal cortex, which is our logical processing, like rational brain. Um, so have you heard of triune brain theory? No, I haven't. Okay. So I, I never used to, yeah, I never used to like this stuff and now I'm like, give me oh more. God. This is I'm so amazing. Yes. So, okay. So triune brain theory essentially states that the reptilian part of our brain was the first part of our brain that developed. And over time, as humans have evolved, as our society has evolved, the limbic system was built on top of that. And then eventually the brain evolved into what we have today, which is the has the uh, neocortex uh, or the prefrontal cortex, um, which again is that logical decision-making, rational part of our brain. It's the conscious brain. And so when we are working with the body through tools like breath work or tapping or what else, what else movement, um, even, even yoga or, or even massage in, in many ways, what we're doing is again, bringing our, our, our nervous system out of that 
aroused fight or flight state, which when we're in that fight or flight state, which is so easy to also be in, um, blue light from our phones even gets us into aroused state. It's little mini stress, uh, stressors. Mm. Um, so it's, if, if someone's like, oh, well, I'm not stressed out chances are your nervous system is in a state of stress. And that's why meditation and breath work are so powerful because it gets us out of that sympathetic response where all our brain is doing is focusing on survival into a parasympathetic response where we're able to use these other parts of our brain. So kind of to like synthesize all of that, essentially what's happening is that when we're in a survival state, we're only using one part of the brain. And that part of the brain is only focusing on survival. It has a very narrow look at what, at what's actually happening, right? Because we're thinking, do I need to fight right now? Do I need to freeze? Or do I need to run away somewhere to get away from this perceived threat? And with scarcity, that perceived threat ultimately is, is death, right? And that over-exaggeration or the oversimplification, it's death because if I don't have money to put food on the table or if this partner leaves me, um, then I, how will I be taken care of? How will I be able to provide for myself? Um, and this comes from hundreds of thousands of years ago when we lived in tribes and in, in, in like the tribal ages where we literally would be kicked out of the tribe and die. And so that's what our brain is working off of. So when we start practicing meditation and when we start practicing breath work, even if we're not doing it with the intention of like, I'm making a million dollars, I'm getting like, I'm getting out of scarcity into abundance. What we're actually doing is positioning the brain to move out from that really hyper-focused state of survival to using the entire capacity of the brain, to using the parts of the brain that are able to look for opportunity, that are more creative, more intuitive. Um, Again, bringing the conscious brain in so that the subconscious can move into coherence so that if we do have positive affirmations or we are, you know, noticing and recognizing the abundance around us, it begins to rewire and re program the subconscious part of our brain that has been operating from this place of lack and scarcity. And so for anybody that is in that place of lack and scarcity, my suggestion is to start bringing in practices that allow you to move from that stress response into the parasympathetic response, meditation, breath work, my favorite way to do it. Um, And it doesn't necessarily even have to be a long practice. It can be like I said, that practice of five on the inhale, hold at the top for five, hold at the bottom, or excuse me, exhale for five, hold at the bottom for five for 10 minutes. And that will help get you into that parasympathetic response so that you're able to have this like wider view of life, wider view of what's really happening. That's not just focused around survival. Mm. Do you have a specific practice that you give people for abundance? Because what I really like about what I've been doing with Joe Dispenza as well is like, cause you're opening up your, pine- your pineal gland, right. To like really, you know, to move that energy so that you create that field and then you kind of open that up so that when you meditate, you're allowing that to like almost like a channel. Yeah. Right. And, and that made so much sense to me, even though I resist that beginning part of the breath work or the meditation, I know that that's, that's important. So is there like a practice that you have for people? Because there's so much scarcity that people want to start doing, having like that abundant mindset. Is there something like that specific that you would recommend? Like say someone's a beginner right now, they've heard this and like, you know, they've heard me talk with heard someone else, but like they love the way you've said it and they're interested now. 
You know, what could they do today to get that started? Yeah. So again, the practice that I just suggested, I would, Mm. I would say even starting with five minutes of inhaling through the nose for five, holding at the top for five, exhaling for five, holding at the bottom for five and doing that, setting a timer for five or 10 minutes, doing that every single day is going to help your body so much in again, making that shift from sympathetic to parasympathetic. Um, because once you're in that state, then you're going to be more receptive of any of the practices that you've shared, right? Um, I love Joe Dispenza's work. I love sitting in meditation. And um, one of my favorite things to do is to imagine that I have like orders coming in on my phone and that I'm like checking my phone and I see a new person sign up mm. or a new like Stripe notification or a new email saying from, from a new client saying like, yes, I want to join. And so I'll sit in meditation and imagine those orders coming in. I'll imagine money flowing into me. And if you don't own your own business, it, maybe just imagine what it would feel like for somebody to hand you a check for te- like if you were just handed a check of $10,000 how would that feel because once we start feeling it in our body again we, as we feel it we become it right and so i love doing that in meditation i think also for outside of the practice if very 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 simple thing that all of us can do is to just simply recognize the abundance that's around you recognize when you are deciding what you want to wear today. Oh my gosh, I have so many different options. I have so many different clothes clothes, or as you're walking outside, wow, there is so much blue sky. Or if you're, if you're near like a place in nature right now, I'm looking out at the ocean um, from my office and it's, wow, there's so much water. There's so much ocean there. And I know that there's like billions of grains of sand on the beach, or if I open my fridge, there's so much food here. And so it's really just speaking to all of the abundance, which starts to, again, create these pathways in the brain. I love science, obviously, Um, but create these pathways in the brain where we actually start to then look for more, more, um, more abundance to support our um, current focus and attention on the abundance that we already see. Um, And this is literally just happening in our brain. And so again, this just comes back to sustainable, consistent practice. And if it doesn't feel like it's working right away, I would just say stick with it and allow yourself to have fun in the process as well too. Let let this journey from scarcity to abundance be a fun one, be a journey that you actually enjoy taking versus this like really harsh personal development where we shame ourselves and feel like we're never enough because that is just continuing to perpetuate the the lack and scarcity in a different way. Mm. Yeah, I love it cuz I I love how everybody's got their own unique thing right their unique strategy to like I like to figure out you know what what do what's the best way what visualization are we doing and you know what do we do after and I always find it interesting because everybody's got their own spin yeah and you know I I focus as much as I can on the gratitude I found that's like again like it's the ultimate level of receivership it's like it's impossible to to be pessimistic it's impossible to be scarce if you see the ultimate level of being present is being is grateful too even if it's like something in front of us and it's not it's not like serving us in a way that's pleasurable it's still a part of the human experience Mm -hmm. it's grateful that we can actually be see that and and it, it, it come into our lives and i love it because like 
the more we can accept the present moment and be grateful for everything, the more we're allowing more to come into our life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's like, even if it isn't something that is like a gratifying experience, at least you are alive and living and breathing to experience it. And I also truly believe that there's not a single card that we are dealt in life that we're not capable of handling or else we wouldn't receive it. Right. I completely agree. I completely agree. I feel we live in a society that doesn't empower us and it's up to ourselves and to have community that we realize that right there, that statement is so powerful because we, everything that comes our way, we can handle. But some people think that's not true. Yeah. You know, that is so important to know. Like if everybody goes out every day and just knows like everything that comes at me, I can handle. This is part of it, right? That empowerment is enough to get you through a lot. But some people are so disempowered and they think, oh, I can't handle this. I can't. And it's these stories. It's mm-hmm. just stories that aren't true over and over and over again. Yeah. It's like, why are you telling your story? Like, why is that story surfacing? You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I have so much compassion for the, the victim mentality. Um, Me I feel too. like sometimes when we say victim mentality, it can be like really activating for people. Um, but you know, just the, I can't handle this or like, why is this being ha- thrown at me again? Or oh, like, I can't get my hopes up all of those things. Cause I've lived it and I've, and I've been through it and I've been in really, really dark places. And I think that as you mentioned, just like the community piece, whether community that you have right now is like literally just listening to this podcast and having the community of, of, of Lance and, and all the people that you bring onto this show, it, it really just gives us space to kind of pluck ourselves out of the intensity of what we are feeling and experiencing into a perspective where we are able to empower ourselves. We are able to flip the script. We are able to acknowledge the stories that have potentially been, you know, (laughs) narrating our life and put ourselves back in the driver's seat, become the creator again, and, and really start to design a life that we love. Even if it's super slow and takes 30 years, we're all capable of doing that. Amazing. All right. So before we start to wrap it up here, I would love to hear about the Alchemized Life podcast. It's such an awesome name, by the way. Thank you. Tell us about that, how long you've been doing it and yeah, walk us through it. Yeah. So I um, have been doing it for almost three years now. And I initially, when I ventured into the wellness space and found yoga and meditation and breath work, started a blog and my blog was called Kicking Asana. I thought it was very cute. <laughs> um, and on my blog, I had started um, interviewing different people in the wellness space that I just was really inspired by. And I, you know, had the pleasure of just speaking to some like pretty big thought leaders and writing up blogs and um, getting them onto, onto my website. And I realized this was probably around like 2017, 2018. I realized that people weren't reading blogs anymore (laughs) and they, they just weren't reading blogs like they used to. And so I knew that I had a message that was bigger than any, um, any type of 
vertical that it could get out in or any channel that it could get out in. And, um, at the time it was kind of when podcasts were starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I just decided like, you know what I want to, I want this to be a podcast. I want to continue having these conversations. I want to continue learning from thought leaders. I want these people to be mentors to me in so many ways. And so I launched the alchemized life and I really wanted to expand the world of wellness to people that had felt you know, intimidated by the growing list of resources, all of the influencers online telling you what to drink and how to eat and how to move your body and all of these different things. I wanted to create a trusted space with thought leaders and professionals and healers that could really break things down in a practical way and an implementable way. Um, so the podcast has definitely taken on a life of its own over the past three years. I, at the very beginning was only doing interviews. I started doing, um, solo episodes as, as I up-leveled and as I expanded and grew and, um, yeah, now I, it's funny because after 170 episodes at this point, I was like, I'm not even going to have a, a schedule anymore. I'm just going to release episodes when I release episodes. And it's been so much fun and so liberating for like my creative side to just pull out my mic whenever I want and record and, and be able to upload episodes um, that are just like hot off the press. And um, it's also Love just that. been such a fun way to connect with people as well. And I really do look at every single person that comes on my podcast as a mentor and someone that I can selfishly learn from. Mm. Everybody's a teacher. Yes. Like everybody is right. And sometimes I think sometimes in the spiritual world or even as you're growing as a business owner, our ego can get inflated and we can think that we can only learn from somebody that's above us in a certain area. But what I've realized is like the best teachers are sometimes the ones that you don't expect. Yeah. Like the ones that are like, you know, and I've gone into it where I'm thinking, Oh, well this, what, I don't really know this person. I don't know. Like, and then it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe that person, how amazing that was. Yeah. And so many times I'm so humbled by the connections you make. It's the relationships. It's so solid. Yeah. And it's like this real intimate conversation and everybody's a teacher. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a unique gift and like to be able to pull it out. And like, you really grow from these conversations. Like yeah, this, this, I, this podcast changed my life completely. That's why I love what you're saying. Cause I completely agree. Like it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and just the, the places that it can take you, the people that you can meet. And I mean, that's just on like the selfish side of it. If you think about like collectively what's happening, I mean, I've received so many messages. Like I could, I could cry right now of, of people telling me, especially over this past year that being able to listen to my podcast has been like the only light for them in what has been such a crazy and unpredictable and dark year. And gosh, that just means so much to me because that's really all that I ever wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a space where they could show up and just receive and whether they decide to like sit down and listen to it and take notes or they're driving or they're listening to it passively. 
I just think that it's such a gift to be able to, it's, it's very quantum, right. To be able to connect with so many people over the globe and share not only my voice, but the voice of so many people that inspire me. Mm. Amazing. And I love it because there's, there's been so many guests that have come on and people have started listening to their podcasts from after us talking. And it's like, it, it, and it's like the, it's like a ripple. They listen to that and then they learn about these new people and they start following and then they start to grow. And it's like, when you connect with one, you end up connecting to the whole, the, the, the group. You just, it's like a, it's like a breadcrumb, you know, yeah. you have one and it's like, Oh, well, this person's awesome. And then, you, Oh, I want to learn about this person. And it's beautiful. And yeah, like it's, it's one of those things where we're living in a time right now where people, people need help and it's, and people need to feel heard. They need to hear that somebody is going through something like they are or something similar, some sort of story that can resonate. It can just help them get through whatever they're going through. So I love that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I have a client that, um, she primarily has worked with individuals in her town, um, at like through her yoga studio. And she was sharing with me, Oh, you know, like now that, um, now that COVID is starting to wrap up, like, I'm so grateful for that, but I feel like people aren't going to want to, um, be a part of my workshops online anymore. And like, we'd be in my online space. And I had to kind of like love slap her a little bit into reminding her that there are so many people across the globe that don't have access to, you know, the, the, the wellness, the wellness, uh, resources that we have, the spiritual resources that we have, even the, even the psychological resources that we have. And so I think that podcasting and just online work overall is, is so massive. And yeah, I think just like over this past year, especially we've really seen how impactful it can be to, have that connection online. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where can everybody find you? Like if they want to work with you, if they want to check out more of your amazing work and information, where's the best place to send them? Yeah. So, um, on Instagram, my dog just walked into the room, of course, <laughs> She's like, all right, mom, it's time. Um, on Instagram, I am at Ava Johanna, A-V-A-J-O-H-A-N-N-A. And then my website is avajohanna.com. Um, if you've been super excited and lit up by everything that I've shared about, as far as breath and meditation, I highly suggest checking out the Academy of Breath, which you can find on my website and on my Instagram as well. Um, we run two certifications every, um, every year. And so the next one will be coming up um, or I'll be announcing that one shortly. Amazing. And of course your podcast will have it all linked in the show notes. (laughs) People will go binge, listen to it. Make sure you go, go check it out. Alchemize life podcast, give her a five-star review. Let her know that, you know, you're, you're loving her work. I I, I always love that when people go and check out everybody's podcast and come on. It's it's so cool. Um, If you can, okay, so I always ask one final question around adversity. If all all the struggles and all the challenging times in your life, what is the most valuable lesson that adversity has taught you? Mm. You know, I think it goes back to what we already touched on, that there is no adversity that will win in, in, in its battle against me. Right. Or 
that even, even more so than that, that all of the adversity that has come in my life and in our lives is for us. It's preparing us for more, for more love, more, more abundance, more success, more opportunity. And we're capable of overcoming and rising above it all. Beautiful. I always leave the easy question till the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. You're, uh, you're a light and I love it. And I had such a great time connecting with you and and hearing about your story and everything. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I'm still smiling (laughs) ear to ear, everyone. (laughs) For sure. Thanks everybody. Make sure to follow Ava on social media, on Instagram. And check out her Academy of Breath certification program. It sounds awesome. If you guys got value from this, please share this with a friend. Tag us on social media. If you feel called, leave us a review also. And highly recommend checking out her podcast, the Alchemized Life podcast. Go leave her a five-star review. Show her some support. And most importantly, you guys, have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time.